the Rock Fight, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. This is an outdoor podcast that aims for the head. I'm Colin True, and today Mountain Gazette's Kyle Frost has returned from his journey to Blister Summit. You can, of course, head to the link in the show notes to sign up for Kyle's newsletter, and he's here regularly, usually on Friday, to expound on what he's been writing about. Welcome back, Kyle. We missed you last week. Yeah, it's good to be back, but, uh, you know, I was having a good time in Crested Butte, so not not that sad. <laughs> yeah, how was Blister Summit? It was nice. Uh, despite living in, in Colorado for eight or nine years now, I, I've never actually skied Crested Butte, so been there a bunch in the in the summer to mountain bike and uh, even once in the winter just to visit a friend, but uh, never actually got in the mountain, so that was super fun. Sounds like you kind of hit it at the right time too, right? There was a pretty good base and then it snowed while you were there, right? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good base. First first day or two was, you know, a little weak and then we got some good snow um, the the next two days that uh, kind of softened things up a little bit. So kind of all all conditions. So I've been pinging Ellsworth. I want to have him on eventually to talk some ski stuff, to have a little more ski content. And he's definitely one of the guys you want to talk to. But I, I'm, I'm definitely curious about the the event because there's, there's been some news and sort of the industry and community events in the last couple of weeks outside festival announced their lineup so i guess our prediction that it's gonna happen looks like it's gonna happen because they're they're booked some decent uh music acts there you know sea otters coming up there's there's a bunch of uh, trade organizations having their events this summer so a sort of this kind of event uh i'm very curious about like you know how it's going and and, and what it could mean for the future of gatherings kind of in the, you know the outdoor community yeah, I mean, I mean, speaking about Blister, at least, like I, I can't really speak to whether the event is a, you know, financial success for Blister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from my perspective, coming in as an industry person, that's mostly there. I mean, Mountain Gazette doesn't write about gear, uh, so I'm mostly there to mingle and talk to people and and see see what's going on. Rode the chairlift with a lot of people that were there as Blister readers or you know Blister Plus subscribers and uh all that kind of thing from all over the country i think there was one there's one guy from switzerland uh who oh, that wow. came in. It, it is cool to get the blend of act like real consumers that are there to just test skis that they wouldn't have an opportunity to test otherwise mm-hmm. uh and also get to mingle and ski with you know cody and elise and drew peterson and you know all all the hoji you know they're all just out there on the mountain during the day at various points so you know that's very cool you know long term i you know i have no idea if that you know if this model works but yeah from coming from the experience of of one event uh you know i had a great time and it it seemed seemed great we do have one topic to talk about from last week uh, while you were gone. Uh, you wrote about Blue Zones, or your, skept- your, your skepticism around Blue Zones. So Blue Zones, for anyone listening who doesn't know, are these areas around the planet, I think there's five of them, where residents have shown an affinity for living a long time, uh, deep into old age, mostly due to their diet and lifestyle choices. That's kind of the, you know, the, the most basic way of putting it. Uh, and in your column, you kind of start presenting the case that this may mostly be bullshit. So... Before we get into some of those reasons, you know, what made you even want to dig into the topic? Because I think I, I immediately responded to you like, oh, I can't wait to hear about some of the emails you get on this topic, which then in your mailbag today, clearly you got a few <laughs> about this one. So, uh, but what was it initially that attracted you to the topic? I mean, I've been, you know, vague, vaguely familiar with the concept for a while. You know, mm. I spent a lot of time in the travel industry and, you know, there, there was a new Netflix show that came out. And yeah, I watched it. Yeah. And I 
also been roughly familiar with some of the criticisms of the whole package for a while. And, and basically the, the criticisms come down to that there's a possibility that the research, the initial research is just based on flawed demographic data, um, mm. where in places like Okinawa and Sardinia, there's a good chance that at least some of these really old people aren't actually that old uh, because... Uh, you know, research shows that like when birth certificates are introduced, like centenarians and supercentenarians uh, go down. Uh, surprise, surprise. And, you know, there's also quite a bit of pension fraud, uh, as particularly uh, in Japan, where a couple years ago they found that something like 200,000 people that they thought were over 100 years old, they just like couldn't find them. Uh, and, and there's nephew like Bill, like, no, nah, I don't know. This check just shows up every month. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> exactly. Collecting, yeah. Collecting pension checks. The thing that kicked it off in Japan was they, they went to, they went to award the, who they thought was the oldest person in Tokyo with some kind of award. He was like 111 or something like that. And basic and found that he'd been dead for 30 years. <laughs> this is like the uh, the Little League World Series, you know, when like the kids like throwing 100 miles per hour. It's like, oh yeah, it turns out he was 16. He should have been shouldn't have been playing. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and even when you kind of like get out of the pure research aspect and you look at how they built this like blue zones diet or blue zones lifestyle, like you took five very different places in the world and found yeah commonalities. And so now you're like, oh, if you eat beans and drink a moderate amount of wine and get exercise, then you're going to live to 100 or like. But their response to it is that they did do additional Mm -hmm. like facts checking on people's ages and that kind of stuff. And they also clarified that the qualification for a blue zone is not necessarily having a high number of centenarians. It's just like living longer and that kind of thing. I don't know. At at the end of the day, like it's one of those things that they've effectively productized this idea of blue zones, which at its core is just live a healthy lifestyle. (laughs) Like, oh, surprise. Like if you do things in moderation and like have low stress life and spend time outdoors and have a strong community, people tend to be healthy and live longer. It's like, a good surprise. point because I, so I watched the doc, you know, and I, I had on Netflix and I definitely had been kind of familiar with it and everything. And the, the, the main guy in all this is what Dan, is it Butner? Is that how you pronounce his last name? He's, he's sort of the He's a former cyclist who's kind of gone on this, you know, lifelong crusade about finding out like why people live longer or live healthier or whatever. And the packaging of it does feel a little convenient, like when you're watching it, because it's, you know, and, and, you know, they think they do a pretty good job of sort of like trying to like line up how these people are living with, you know, what's recommended and all that kind of stuff. But it, it is, it's pretty basic stuff. Now I enjoyed the doc because it was fun to hear about some of the individuals they profiled, right? They these kind of guys in Central America mm-hmm. and in Asia and everything who have lived kind of incredible lives and are incredibly uh, fit. And pr- presumably if their age is accurate, you know, to your point, maybe we don't really know, but let's say they are like, it's impressive. And it's cool. It's cool to see that. But then you, now you're talking about individuals versus, you know, a community or a lot of people. So 
I mean, do you think there's ulterior motives at play, like from a guy like Dan Butter? Do you think that they're sort of trying to trying to capitalize off I mean, of it? I don't, or? I don't think that there's really alter, ulterior motives. I mean, Blue Zones is a trademarked term now. Like Blue Zones is a company like that sells Blue Zones cookbooks and yeah, Blue I probably Zones. own one at this point. You know, I like buying cookbooks. You know, yeah, and you know they. I think that they consult directly with like other municipalities about like how to make your area a blue zone. Um, So I assume they get paid for that. So, I mean, they have a vested interest in, you know, pushing the, the package, um, you know, the branded package of of blue zones and not just like, Hey, live healthy lifestyles. Like, no, you live a blue zones lifestyle. I don't think that there's like an, like a real negative ulterior motive here. Like we're trying to get people to live, healthier lives like that's a commendable goal but i think it speaks to the ways in which consumers just like things tied up with nice little bows you know we like little packages that tell us how to live you know you you're a you know you're not just going to eat in moderation you're going to be a keto person you're going to be a vegetarian you're going to be uh whatever the, the the paleo like people like little bubbles that tell them exactly how to live their lives and when you can wrap it all up and be like, this is the blue zones is the, you know, recipe for, you know, living to a hundred, then that is very easy for people to digest uh, versus do healthier things. That's kind of <laughs> almost what I was asking. I don't think that they're, you know, twisting their mustaches and saying like, ah, we're going to mislead everybody or anything like that. But it is when you do understand and you kind of, and everybody should understand at this point, just kind of how dogmatic we are and how we want to be led that way and want to be absolved of everything or just be told what to do. Like, what is the harm of kind of creating that sort of healthy lifestyle-esque religion, right? I mean, because to, I mean, I hate calling it a religion, but it is a little like, well, if somebody sees this and makes good changes, it's, that's not a terrible thing. At the same time, (laughs) if they read your article, they might be like, oh, I can't do that. That sounds very terrible. I don't know. It's really hard to say because like you, you want good outcomes and you want people to be healthy. But like, if you flip it around and say... If, if something has a bad outcome, if, if you use the, the same formula right. and there's a bad outcome, then it's bad, right? So it's like, are you arguing for people to think for themselves and have common sense and like, and, you know, develop science and rigorously based solutions and, and that kind of stuff? Or are you like, it's, oh yeah, it's okay to trick people <laughs> as long as the outcome is something that I want. Well, that they want, Kyle, that they want. I'm not, not saying they're I tricking want. people. I'm not like, that's, that's the wrong wording for this particular I know what you're saying, thing. though. No, that's kind of what I'm digging into here, too, right? I, I, the whole thing is fascinating because then there is, you know, like there is kind of the success story they present about Albert Lee, Minnesota, right? And they they detail that in the doc where they move into this town of Minnesota, Minnesota, which I found kind of interesting because like one thing's about that's that's um, uh, that is seems to be universal around the established blue zones that have naturally occurred is kind of a more temperate, warm weather climate. But they're like, ah, we're going to go to Minnesota. Don't worry about it, you know, but whatever. Okay, they go to Minnesota. It's probably because it's the only town that said, sure, come do this here. And by, again, they're the only sources that I've heard about this from. So maybe you know more, but 
seems to have had positive impacts on that society of establishing, you know, programs that, you know, show healthy eater eating habits, making sure people are being more physically. I mean, but it is to your point, it's all the Again, stuff like that it, you don't, it doesn't have to be blue zone. It brand. does not oh, build, build more bike paths. Crazy. Like, wow. People biked more. But is that, like, is that our shortcoming as like people that we won't just do that because it's the right thing to do that we need to have the sort of organized preacher up there going, yeah, man, this is what we're going to do. You know? I mean, it, I think it's a great flaw. I mean, not a flaw. It's just part of people. Oh, I think it's a flaw. They like, (laughs) you know, they like being part of things and they like things that are easy to digest. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It is. I mean, I don't know the 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 funny, one of the funny things that I posted at the end of the article, there's, it's a great quotable. It's like, it, it sounds good. It's nice and packaged. But like, when you really look at, the whole picture data. Yeah. Like you could basically adopt a lot, like move to any other country other than the United States and live like a person there and live several years longer on average. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Well, you know, number it's one, like, yeah, gun violence. Let's just take that out of the equation. Right? Oh yeah. But like, <laughs> number two. Just like life expectancy. Yeah. Like, right. U uh, S is significantly lower than comparable countries. Yeah. And heading in the wrong, and, in the wrong direction too. You know, we're not catching yeah. up. We're, we're, we're pulling away, you know? Um, well, what's the reader feedback been for, for I mentioned that at the beginning that you've got yet, you had one in your mailbag this week. Any other uh, emails about that? that no, have been I mean, I, I had, I had most of it was, you know, pretty positive just based on like, Oh, this is like an interesting thing to think about. Um, you know, I did have one guy that shared with me that rebuttal by blue zones, uh, that I hadn't come across, mm-hmm. uh, in, in my research. And, you know, I got some feedback that felt like it was a little bit, I, kind of what we were talking about, like, you know, you're poking at something that has a positive outcome. Like, what's the point? Which, I mean, I think is a, a fair criticism, mm-hmm. but also, like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to poke the bear sometimes. I, I'm not going to shy away from poking at things because I agree with the overarching goal or or things like that. I think that the devil's in the details and there's a lot of nuance. And I don't know, I, I wrote a, uh, I wrote a piece a, a little while ago when uh, Yvonne Chenard, uh, like d- donated the company right. to, yeah, to the environment. You know, right. so he donated Patagonia to the environment. Yeah. Which nothing to really criticize about that. Like Patagonia does the, the best work in the industry on environmentalism and the environment and climate change and, and all that kind of stuff. But the loophole that he used is a tax loophole <laughs> that the Hobby Lobby, I think it was the Hobby, one of the Hobby Lobby guys used like just a couple years ago to do the exact same thing for conservative causes. Right. And so it's, it's a similar thing where it's like, you can be excited that Chenard did that, but do we treat the billionaires differently because they're the ones that we agree with? Or do we say, hey, that this loophole shouldn't exist at all? At the end of the day, it is a, it's just a tax loophole, basically. And it's amazing that it's being used for positive things. And there's stuff to like dig into about that, about what the control actually looks like. And it's in a trust that's still kind of controlled by his family and yada, yada, yada. Someone's still making money, folks. Yeah, some people are, <laughs> some people are making money. People still have control. But we can't rely on people always being alt- altruistic. Uh, totally. obviously. And we can't get mad at the Hobby Lobby guy and be excited about Chenard without looking at the core 
issue. <laughs> totally. And that's, I think that's a great microcosm of a lot of the issues in the country. And I've never going even bigger now coming from the blue zone thing to kind of a bigger kind of state of the union. Right. Because it, it is, we're real quick to like, you know, pat ourselves on the back if it suits our, our needs. And maybe that's kind of what you're getting to even in the blue zones thing too. Right. It's sort of like, you know, how something is packaged should be as important as what's in the package. All right, man, we can wrap it up there. I definitely recommend though, that people, I think the doc's worth watching. I, I think I never felt like walking away from any of these that I'm like, my life has changed. I kind of saw it as almost anything else. If you watch a food documentary or read a good article, like there's definitely things you're like, oh, that's interesting, you know, or that, that can integrate well into my lifestyle or, but there is a little like, and of course, forehead, you know, hand to your forehead, like, oh, so I should move around a lot and eat mostly plants and it's going to (laughs) work out for me. You know, like that's kind of, that is kind of the key takeaway of the whole thing. And it does kind of feel like it's being evangelized a little bit for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd agree with that. All right, man. Well, we can wrap it up there. So before you turn off the rock fight, click the link in the show notes, subscribe to Kyle, make sure you get all of his newsletters. Also, you can subscribe to mountain Gazette from the, from a link in the show notes, uh, and click the follow button wherever you're listening to the rock fight to subscribe and also drop us a five-star review. That's super helpful when you do that. We are a production of Rock Fight LLC. Kyle Frost, I'm Colin True. Thanks for listening. And here to take us out and take us home is Krista Makes with the Rock Fight Fight Song. We'll see you next time, Rock Fighters. Rock fight.